This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train, and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to episode 71 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Broadcast recently hosted the Building Big Training Day with Terry Virgo, where Terry was talking about how we can build big movements and churches. And in this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of a Q&A session with Terry on that day. You can find the full notes on everything that Terry was talking about at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 71. What would you do about leaders on your team who fall away, not because of any sin, but just because of disillusionment? Ah, <laughs> I think, I think, I think people sometimes. It's, I mean, it's so varied, isn't it? Sometimes, if someone slips away, it can be. It can just be a sin issue because they're like Paul says, Demas has left me. He's fallen in love with his present age. And it's sometimes it's, it's, it's a business thing. Someone's got another business offer, a financial thing. And sometimes people, you know, they, they say, I want to join the team and ask for another big church over here. And I think you can't, sometimes people got all sorts of diverse reasons for pulling out. I think I would always want to win people where they're winnable. I don't want to have people in a team reluctantly. I don't want to have people in a team whose heart is not in it. I think I'd rather release them. I think anyone who's in a team because they they don't really want to be there, I, I don't really think that works. If it's a personal pain problem, maybe they've had heartbreak in their own world. Maybe it's in their family. Maybe it's in the part of the thing that they're responsible for and they're getting beaten up. And then it's time for ministry, care, love and trying to build them up again and express how much you love them, appreciate them, want them. I think it's so varied. Uh, so it's hard to give one simple answer. But I, I think it would always be my desire to win people. Obviously, someone's overtaken in a fault. The Bible says, try and win them with a spirit of gentleness. We're trying to win them back. But if someone says, actually, I've lost, I don't, I'm not in this vision anymore. I've got a different vision. I think you've got to let go and let people go. I don't know if that's a very adequate answer. Uh, quite a lot of the questions are picking up on different bits of the story. Uh, so it'd be good to kind of just track through and uh, look at the extra details people are asking. There's a couple of quick fire ones just to set a bit of context for it. So someone asked what year was it that New Frontiers started? And then uh, today, how many churches are part of New Frontiers? <laughs> I probably can't answer either. Um, <laughs> we, I... Funny, we call. Um, I would always say that, in a sense, New Frontiers started when I went to Nigel Ring's home. It's when I first started another church. But to me, that's when New Frontiers started. But in all honesty, we were doing that. I was doing that for X number of years. Individual churches that didn't have any corporate relationship. Even when we started Downs Bible Week, we didn't have any corporate relationship. We published uh, cassettes and things, and we needed to come up with a name, so we called it Coastlands. But nobody belonged to Coastlands. It was just 
uh, a name we use for our artwork with a picture of the seven sisters on it and, um, and then we had a prophecy from a man called John Groves about a herd of elephants which you may know that promise which he said he saw a herd of elephants charging and they hit jungle terrain and they kept going and uh, they made a road where there was no road and the opening line of his prophecy was there are no well-worn paths before you together you can make a road where there is no road you can accomplish more together than you can apart many will follow well it was like whoa so then we thought maybe we're to become something which hadn't been in our thinking before and we discussed the kind of values that would be and we came up with the name New Frontiers uh, to reflect that. Um, what, that. Well, that's a good question. I literally don't know, so that might well be it. I know I was already in Brighton when it started. So I, I moved to Brighton in 79. It was probably early 80s, 83, 4. I think it, yeah, I think, I think I wrote Restoration of the Church, I think, in 84. We were not New Frontiers then. So, yeah, mid-80s. And then how many churches? I haven't the vaguest clue. Uh, I think globally, I think we've passed 1,500 now. Um, you know, I'm seeing Edward Berea tomorrow. Oh, yeah, he's with me this weekend anyway. I mean, I, he plants churches for a hobby in the afternoon. I mean, I can't keep up with him. And, uh, and there are so many churches. And then the whole groups of guys... Uh, uh, like Jeremy's working with a wonderful brother in Zambia with how many churches? Um, well, up to recently it was about 30 or 40. It's kind of like doubling. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, he's been within our ranks, now very close to Jeremy, part of his world. Beautiful. I mean, just a godly, godly man. And he would regard his churches now as really one of part of us. That's happening all over. I mean, I went to a conference recently, and a guy said, oh, hello, how are you? Who are you? He said, oh, we're from the New Frontiers Church in Mongolia. I said, Mongolia? <laughs> I don't even know how many nations we're in, honestly. I was, I was invited, they translated my book, Spiritfield Church, I think it was Spiritfield Church, in Bulgaria, uh, two years ago. And I, the guy said, I want to translate your book, will you come and speak at a conference? I met this fellow, uh, Dave Holdens. I said, yeah, I'd love to, thank you. So I went, I was just about to go, I had a phone call from Martin Dunsford. Why haven't you invited the other New Frontiers churches from Bulgaria? I said, I didn't know there were any New Frontiers churches in Bulgaria. So, I mean, honestly, it's now running. I, have a, I, I, I don't know where we are anymore. So 1,500, I think, is fairly conservative number now. Uh, so I don't know. Um, someone's taking you right back to the start at the moment when you left your secular job and uh, you were telling that story. Uh, and they say, what would you say uh, to people here who feel a calling to leave secular jobs? Uh, could you talk a bit about how it worked in practice? So I guess they've been, what did you do for, for money and kind of living and stuff during that time? Yeah, I, I think I'm so glad I was single. <laughs> When I look back now, I don't know what I would have done if a young man... Uh, yeah, I was 23. Um, I had no other responsibility. I, I, I thought at first I'll live on my savings, uh, which I did for a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> and then I had, I had saved some. My dad 
always thought I was crazy doing my job. I, you know, they lived through the Depression. My parents were working class people. And I had a job with a pension. And I mean, he was so proud of his dad. His son got a job in London with a pension. I couldn't believe I'd give it up. I was absolutely lunatic. And uh, so I, he always taught me to save. So I had saved. But I came, I mean, this other guy was living by faith. And that was the time I felt God said, I want you to give him what you got. So I gave him what I got. And so from then on, it was, and I felt, initially, I thought I'd do the window cleaning thing like the Jehovah's Witness. It never happened. So I, I lived by faith for two years. You know, that's kind of a phrase these days, living by faith. I mean, honestly, it was scary. It was exciting. It was wonderful. I never issued a prayer letter. I never, I, can, I say before God, I never dropped a hint. Uh, but it came. And sometimes it was tight, but it came. So it was, that's how it worked for me, little gifts. Uh, and I had to pay my rent. I bought Challenge newspaper to give out to people. I hired a schoolroom for a, a, what began to grow. Uh, uh, gas from my motorbike you know I just I didn't have many costs but it came so that I did that I just I mean at that time there wasn't anything <laughs> there was no church that would say we're going to plant over there there was no one saying we have a training program there, wasn't, there was nothing there so it was a bit different I think these days you get a lot more counsel than I ever had. The only counsel I had was from my Baptist pastor saying, you should go to Baptist college, you should go to Baptist college. And I said, I don't feel I meant to. So then this beautiful man would have these conversations with me saying, you're, what you're doing is crazy. Then he'd shake my hand and I'd take my hand away and there's a fiver in it. You know, so uh, so it would be gifts. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I think now there's a lot more framework for counsel, fellowship, discussion, recognition, have you got a gift? I mean, sometimes we're a bit unreal. Are you gifted to lead? I, I think I was very unreal, but I think, I, I think God was leading me. But the normal assessment, I think, was I probably would have disqualified myself. But, um, so I don't know if that's very helpful. I think we've got time for maybe one more question now, and then we'll pick up some others after lunch. So let's ask you this one. Uh, what have you found to be the most difficult part of doing what God has called you to do, and how have you overcome it? <laughs> That's such a big question. Yeah. I think probably, I mean, I think it's a huge question. Isn't it? So I think the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with, which may not be what you're asking, but I, I can't think of any differently was when we um, we had a huge crisis in India uh, where as far as I'm able in a nutshell the person who was on our international team and was representing us in overseeing a growing number of churches in India which we thought was going fine suddenly we found it was being run thoroughly legalistically uh, which was the complete opposite and it suddenly happened while I was in India 
was when the other conference suddenly the lid came off it and I had to deal with it there. Uh, that was probably the most difficult thing. Uh, as a movement, uh, something we've been in together, I mean, it's the one that comes to mind anyway. I think it was very painful, it was very difficult, and uh, one had to handle it pretty uh, firmly. And I thank God with all my heart that, uh, although I said to the brothers at the time, you know, you must feel free if you want to to leave with that brother. He's the one who's looked after you. He's the one who's here. Uh, no one left us, but, you know, but we lost the brother and his wife. Uh, so that was very, very painful. Uh, but that's the one that comes to mind. I mean, there have been there have been difficult times. I mean, when I first um, when we started churches, the backlash uh, was huge, and. Uh, I had people, I, the rumours even went around Brighton. I'm living at Seaford, I was raised in Brighton, had lots of Christian friends in Brighton. And, and it was said quite publicly Terry Virgo is telling Pete Charismatics to leave their churches and join him, which was kind of crazy. I mean, why would you? I kind of, it never even occurred to me. But even my own sister uh, kind of slightly backed off me for a while. That was so... I mean, I went into shops where Christians I'd known for years walked out when I walked in. Uh, you know, it's difficult, difficult time. Uh, especially in the Brighton area where we had these big conferences um, at the Hove Town Hall every month. It never occurred to me. And then I'm in America and God says to me, it's time to move to Brighton. I thought, Lord, I need that like I need a kick in the head. I mean, <laughs> that is the last thing I need to hear to go to Brighton now because the rumours and uh, it would never have been in my mind. So it was quite tough to move to Brighton then. So it have been tough times uh, over the years, but I think probably the India one was the most painful. It cost us a lot. It's very painful. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Terry said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 71. See you next time.